Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Osiris. Well, this uh, Shermith comment says it all. Man, what a bunkers, incredible show. Um, yes. Welcome to this quick hit. I'm RJ. I'm here with Megan and Brian. Um, I have to start Hello. with a story, which is that Please do. I have a I have a Mac and I use the Notes app for m- almost everything. So I use it for work. I use it for keeping notes on shows, et cetera. And I have a share. I have a couple of shared notes that Brian has let me into. <laughs> and part of this shared note experience is that I have a best of fish 2023 note and I see it when it gets updated <laughs> and I watch it sometimes in the middle of the night. It'll change. Rankings will change. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> right now there are 34 jams separated into five tiers. And I just want to say, if it's okay with you, Brian, that please last night we got our first entry into tier one of this summer tour. We did. And that's a milestone. It's a milestone. It's a big milestone. And, um, you know, you're putting me on the spot and making me respond to this publicly, which is important, but I I appreciate it. Um, I put a lot of thought into (laughs) journalism. I have. I have rules uh, for this for this uh, um, ranking, and I broke this rule last night. Oh, wow. And I, I checked with some very close confidants who were still awake while I was watching the show after it ended because I went to a baseball game last night. And I said, "I just want to warn you guys, I'm about to do something very crazy." And I <laughs> sent everyone a screenshot of the 714 Ruby Waves as the second best jam of the year. Tier one, the only other tier one jam of 2023 thus far. It was on my first listen. And then I re-listened because I always wait to do this until the re-listen, but I re-listened and it stays. It is amazing. And we're going to talk a lot about this. It is incredible stuff. Well, I had a a interesting evening and I, I am, I have zero, I have zero things written down, which never happens. Um, like our, our 
original co-host Brad <laughs> would would say, I have mental notes. Um, so let's get into it. Um, okay, so <laughs> do it. <laughs> this is wild. Um, first of all, can we just talk quickly about like the magic of this venue? Because I, I've yeah. only saw yeah. I saw the 2016 shows, which are probably the least good of like Brian. You can tell me, but probably the least good Alpharetta shows in the last ten years. But still, still really just, good. Still, they fall just 2016. So, someone the other day was talking about um, the Huntsville venue and how the venue was just like great, and everyone oh, yeah, loved it. It looks like like the Greek kind of. It's beautiful. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think. I think we don't probably acknowledge or think about as much, at least I don't, the fact that like the venue, especially on the band, you know, it's hospitality, it's comfort, it's like just the the setting, the atmosphere, something about Huntsville apparently is amazing. And, and I think those pictures, like you mentioned, Megan, is why, but there's something about Alpharetta that just like, they just, they just like click there almost always. I mean, that 2015 show, Brian, I know you... You know those two shows, the Kill Devil Falls and Tweezer from on consecutive nights, mm. like two of my favorite jams of that year. And they just they just show up and just kick ass at this venue. It's so awesome. I don't mean to correct you um, in under five minutes on the podcast, but I do just have to <laughs> note that the 2015 shows happened at the Aaron's uh, Amphitheater, oh, the, the larger amphitheater, which was where <laughs> that 97 ghost happened. Um, but... but to your point to your point um the environs the environs so (laughs) i I think it's i think it's atlanta because atlanta is where the roxy happened atlanta was this uh market to conquer when the band was first leaving the northeast Mm -hmm. and was true you know those early 90s tours would go down the atlantic coast hit atlanta maybe dive into florida but then then they would start to go west and they would go across um uh, the southwest all the way to california and then work their way up the um uh, uh, California, Oregon, Washington coast and come back and like work their way through the Midwest at that point in time before always returning to the Northeast. Those 92, 93 tours are just insane. But I digress because Atlanta was always that first big stop after DC where it was like, if we can get a footing here and if we can get fans here, we have a market, we have people who will travel to us. And so every time they've come back to Atlanta, you know, you have obviously the Roxy, you have that 95, um, there's a really great David Bowie, uh, 97, the ghost is outstanding. Uh, 99, I believe is where they did their first, first 4th of July shows. And then they came to Alpharetta in 2010 for the first time for 4th of July shows. And they closed out their first leg of their summer tour with that Harpua, uh, um, killing in the name of just like mm. a badass show that kind of gave fans everything that they could have ever wanted from fish at that point in time. And then in subsequent years, they've come back and it's just been huge. But um, that venue looks like it is from everything I've heard. The sounds, the sound is amazing there because of, as Trey noted, the architectural design was very thoughtful <laughs> Um they, they spent a good amount of money on the sound uh, engineering of the venue. I don't, I'm not a huge expert in this. This is just what I've read. So if someone, if I'm well, wrong. You, you sound me. like an expert. So just keep going. Yeah. It's, a lot of people sound like us. experts on the internet, you know, so, um, <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah. Every time they, they step, they, 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 they take the stage. The 2018 run was a really stunning run. And we have another three night run here that um, kicked off last night with a show on Bastille Day. 
Fuck the Ancien regime. Okay. I just want to be very clear about where I stand in this debate. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you're it's welcome. Um, it is really important. This is, this is why we do this. Um, <laughs> and Brian, not to cut you off, but no, no, I am going do. to, because I think we should, well, thank you for that lesson. And I, I the only thing I want to add to the fish, <laughs> the fish history of Atlanta, which, no, it was, it was, it was completely right. Um, the Colonel Bruce Hampton, influence on fish like can't be underestimated and like I, it's not even a, a thing that i understand as much as i probably should but i know that that is it was such a huge part of them you know like being embracing their weirdness i think i think colonel bruce like mm. was one of those people who just said like just or showed like just do the weird shit you know and i think because he was based down there and they played so many shows with him and and did a lot of opening um stuff like that so I just feel like it's it's pretty rich down there, and I think it's something that we don't often think about. We think about like like you were saying, Brian. We, th we think about Colorado and obviously Vermont mm -hmm. and New York, and you know, but um, there, there's a lot that comes out of Atlanta that I think has influenced this band. So um, we are <laughs> approaching not quick um, hits already. Let's dive in. Third, third show. Um, Let's go. Okay. <laughs> Megan, set one. Kill Devil Falls. Theme into No Men. Axilla Part Two. Tube, Rogue, sorry, Jonathan, Undermined, Into Prince Caspian. Um, interesting set list there, Megan. What um, what was your take? Did you stream it? And and what was your kind of thinking? No, last night I was hanging out with the family and I've been streaming shows the last two shows. So, you know, I kind of gave one to the family last night and showed my girls the usual suspects for the first time, which oh was my God. pretty mind-blowing for them, I have how to much say. Time, how much time do we have to talk about that? I know it was, you know, it's so fun to watch these like old movies with my kids now that they're teenagers and like get into that and watch them like, you know, that moment when you like watch it, I heard my daughter just like scream out what happens and it was just like so cool. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's what we were doing last night. So I listened back this morning and it was so exciting to wake up to like the hubbub to it. But before spring tour, I was talking a lot about set listing. And I think that one thing that Mexico lacked was flow. And I think that like spring really had that. And there's just something intentional going on about set listing right now. I don't know if Trey is putting more time and thought into it, but these don't seem like audible calls, all of them. And I feel like that's what you're getting these like shorter, you know, consistent set times with longer encores. You're getting like really thought out bust outs and new songs and perfect placement. And then you're getting classic songs played like just with inspiration. So I think they sound like really incredible and really strong. And they, when you're playing like that, you can make a set list like this work. And I think this set totally works. I think especially like, I love the no man's land, like this is just one of my favorite songs and it's just an incredible song to dance to. The groove is so infectious, obviously, but they've been finding such cool jam spaces and like the organ swells over the like funky groove mm -hmm. in this version is just so good. It's just like, it just hits so right. I feel like Paige really stood out to me in the show. It was like Paige and Trey just, you know, talking a lot, like we've been talking about that their conversation musically has just been so strong. And Paige vocally sounded amazing just in his harmonies, like we were talking about last episode. And also just him finding moments in jams to layer in a way that is either really grounding or soaring. And it's always seems to be like the perfect mix of that. And I think this whole set was just great. I think the tube was just totally inspired. Like that drop black into the blues section is fucking insane it's so perfect it just like hits so hard and then we've got like this gorgeous caspian 
I've always loved this song. I don't understand why people hate this song. I think it's one of the most beautiful songs in their catalog. It's the perfect jam vehicle. I love their quoting like the Nile song. They just sounded like really loose, but in the best way. In the, and I want to talk about that more when we talk about set two, but I just thought that this first set was great and exciting. It sounded really, it sounded like thrilling fish. Um, Brian, I just want to say before you jump in, Jordan, pausing his listening to say hi. Yes, did, Jordan. Jordan. Hey, Jordan. Um, we did a, we did, we, we came at you early today. So thanks everybody for tuning yeah. in. Brian, what, what were, what were your thoughts on that first set? I mean, I think Meg said it perfectly in a lot of cases. I think the only things um, I would add is, you know, what you're talking about, Megan, in terms of that, like, flow of, you know, song selections just feeling really right in the moment um, and then kind of building upon each other so that you, at the end of the set, you have this complete, uh, almost like like they created an album of, of songs that you wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily throw together of various eras of the band's history, but really works together in one, you press play, there's really no point to skip to the next song there's no um there's no all right we're just playing this to kind of reset or you know this this was a segment of the first set and then this was another segment it all felt like one complete piece and um you know i was texting with a few friends about this last night and this tour the last two nights you know the first night felt like um a very classic opening night tour where there were some moments that worked, some things that kind of hinted at potential opportunities later on. Um, and then some moments that I'll probably just never really re-listen to. It just was kind of, you're at a fish show. It's a good time. Smells nice in the air. You know, everyone's puffing their weed. Everyone's, you know, throwing balloons in the air. Everyone's happy, but it's not like, you know, the type of stuff I'm going to go mm-hmm. back to. This all felt very meaty in that sort of way. And it reminded me of kind of that very quick turn that happened. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you know, I'm just, calling it like it is in the moment it felt like that very quick turn that happened in early um summer 2021 where we had this Mm. um kind of uh hesitating tour opener um forgivably so and understandably so at in in arkansas but by the second night of tour they play a 25 minute version of carini third night of tour there's that famous uh you know shot of trey during chalk dust torture where he just kind of motions like this and the band's like okay we're off we're jamming uh fourth night of tour the 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 second night of alpharetta 2021 we had that 33 minute tweezer um uh, we know what happened over the course of that tour, over the course of the fall. It had that sort of feel to me where the band played a set that felt like a mid-tour set so early in the tour that shows confidence. Um, it shows, uh, you know, fluidity off the gates. And it also kind of speaks to this strange place that we've reached in the post-COVID fish era where there's almost a normalcy to this. You know, when when they yeah. play a set like this, it doesn't feel anymore like it's a shocking experience. It just kind of feels like this is just where fish is at right now. They feel very inspired. There's a lot that they can do. There's a lot of range that they have in terms of the song selection that they can pick from. There's a lot that they can do from a jamming standpoint. Um, something I want to get into maybe as we get into set two is um, the IEM uh, mid jam discussions, like where Trey kind of seems to be directing the, jam- the the band via the microphones that go into their in-ear monitors and kind of how that, at least as I'm interpreting it, impacts them. But to your point, Meg, um, I think my big highlight was the no man's. Um, it sounded like the who at times and page on the organ swells was just really, really big. Uh, just felt like a, 
not so much a turning point in the tour as like, uh, okay, this is where we are already. And we have the, you know, mini Baker's dozen coming up. This is pretty incredible. What about you, RJ? Yeah. I mean, I think the, you guys said, uh, you know, everything, I, I think the tube, it is, it's always fun when tube goes out there and, you yeah. know, there are, there's mm-hmm. even a, there's even a meme account of, you know, did they jam tube? So I think that that makes it um, <laughs> particularly special. But um, it's interesting. A lot of I yeses mean, on that account of late. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So that just, I, I don't know, that and and the no men, you know, this this like ability to just go and, and really like explore in the moment and in any point in the show is really cool. And it goes back to kind of like what you were talking about, 2021, where they like anything could jam at any time. And that's like, that's just exciting. So, um, all right. Set two, we get a five song second set. Go ahead, Brian. I just want to ask you guys a question yeah. because you guys are the, um, 1.0 veterans of the show and I don't want to turn this into a non quick hit, but, um, it's one thing I'm curious about. Like when I came along to fish in 2.0, there was always a sense of like, will they reclaim these things from the past? And then obviously we know what happened mm-hmm. with 2.0. 3.0, there was the sense of, okay, we're resetting as a, uh, you know, we're clearing the deck, new band again. Um, we're going to approach our songwriting first and foremost, and then jamming came back over a couple of years. I'm curious for you guys, if you can recall, um, was there a sense when you guys were seeing fish in the mid to late nineties of, um, will they recapture this past glory or was there a, just a sense of like, this is who fish is because right now it feels like this is who fish is. And that kind of worry and stress that the fan base went through, through parts of 2.0 and 3.0 just feel very, very distant to me at this point in time. Not for me. Like for me, it was very much just in the moment. I never thought about who fish would be historically or what their legacy would be. I mean, I'm a much different fan now than I was then, you know, I, like then I was so just in the moment. I mean, I think that the only kind of hint at that was like when Jerry died and I started to think like, oh, like we don't have the dead anymore. So like, at least we have this, but I still didn't think about like, what will we have when this is gone or what will this be? I just didn't have that kind of long-term, I don't thinking then I was (laughs) really in the moment in all those ways, but I never thought about like, if we would look back on this time or how it would, I don't know, feel to us later on, which is so interesting because, you know, when I'm listening to Goose now, I'm thinking about that so much because I have that historical lens with fish, but mm. it's interesting. At the time I didn't, I don't know if you were different, RJ, maybe you were more scholarly when you were in your twenties than I was. I, I, the The biggest mistake I ever made as a fish fan was caring about what they were going to do. I definitely like went through mm. that period and I, I'm glad that I, I got beyond that, you know, like I don't care anymore. I don't care what they do. And and some people are mad about that still, but you know, that's <laughs> fine. That's just like how it is. Um, I think there was a time in the, in the late nineties when I was, yeah, like I, I had expectations, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know that it was, <clears throat> that it, there was like an anchor of where I wanted them to go back to but i just like wanted them to do specific things that obviously they mm. rarely did you know because that's yeah. just not how it works so i feel like i got over that pretty quickly and i'm now that's why i have no like zero expectations anymore because it just doesn't work but i don't think i was like thinking about it as a way to get back to like the early tapes that i had or anything it was more of like a why don't they why don't they play like the things that i think they should play you know <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah. it's always a fun approach. I, 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 I like, relate. And you know, there are people and I'm, I'm not saying that like you're doing it wrong if you're doing that, but you're probably doing it wrong because it's just not, it just doesn't work. So sorry. That's mm. a, that's kind of a different um, answer, but that that's my, my take on it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, this, this five songs I can set, um, strange song selection. If you looked at it on paper and especially of five songs, one debut, one short song, and then, you know, ghost and Ruby waves, but ghost Ruby waves and flew away debut. My friend, my friend into first tube, if I could possum, what, what, what happened here, guys? <sighs> what didn't happen? Um, this is a fluid set. It's deep. It's mm -hmm. got this like linear exploration. There's no, um, there's no easy outs towards a peak throughout this set, yeah. which is really fascinating. Um, I guess the best way for me to consider this going in, and I'd be curious your guys' thoughts. I was thinking about this when listening to the Sigma Oasis from the second night in Huntsville. Um, there's, there tends to be a, I don't want to say predictable, but a, a, a reliable way that the band usually enters a jam from a song. And that tends to be like, if the song is in a major key, Trey will hit a minor key and they'll kind of go off in a dark direction or, you know, conversely. And usually this happens with ghost where he'll figure out his way into like D major and it will like work its way into a peak. And so the, the kind of contrast of darkness and light or light and darkness will happen within a jam as they're leaving the song and it works and it tends to lead to really good moments. And sometimes they like will peak a jam and they'll find ideas on the other side of that peak the Sigma Oasis, the Ghost, the My Friend, My Friend, the Ruby Waves all felt like an entry point that was not reliable at all. And it felt like the band was working their way into jams in slightly more challenging atonal ways, um, relying on uh, kind of... Um, keyboard soundscapes from from page kind of uh kind of unique and, and and difficult rhythms from fishman which for me started the jams off on um uh not like your back foot but it almost like um it it, it put them in a position where they had to work a little bit harder to move mm -hmm. into the jamming space but they were it was just kind of one of those nights where no matter where they started from, they were going to move in a direction as a unit seamlessly. And we're just embracing the conversation, not necessarily where does this jam go? And that Ruby waves is the perfect example of it. I was texting with a friend while listening to it. And I was just like, within just two minutes, so much music happens and so many yeah. changes happen. And it felt like a jam. The ghost felt the same way that my friend, my friend felt the same way. Um, where and the sigma from the other night felt the same way where it does not matter where this jam ends up it just matters that we're having a conversation right now and two minutes later we're having another conversation and two minutes later we're having another conversation and within all of that there's so much going back and forth between the band it was some of the most exciting music that i've heard from this band i mean i love spring tour but like i i i just i i got like a renewed sense of oh my god this is what we're doing three nights into the tour um I don't know. I, I I don't want to keep going. What are you guys? What are you guys' thoughts on that? What were your thoughts on the, uh, the overall set? Well, sorry, Megan. Just real quick. I this the like yeah. <clears throat> the idea of the bliss peak as an out is just endlessly fascinating to me mm -hmm. because 
I think it's true that it's easier to get there and it's like an easy way to it's e- it's easy for the to get the fans to build energy and like, like everyone's it's, it's working a great, yeah. but at the same time it's like it's just interesting I, I've never asked them I've never asked Trey that but maybe in the next time I get to interview Trey I'm going to ask him about that because I'm curious if they see it if he sees that as a as a a, a safe place to go you know like as opposed crutch. to yeah exactly as opposed to just like sometimes that's what they feel sometimes it's not, but obviously the fan base, it's kind of like when you're there, it's amazing. But like right. when you go yeah. back to it, it, it does feel predictable. Um, whereas like a jam, like, like last night, I mean, like there's a point in that Ruby waves where like, it was just like a noise. It was just noises, you know? And I yes, think, yeah. it was. Yeah. <laughs> I think some people, if that was like your first show, you'd be like, what the fuck is going on here? But like, you know, oh, yeah. people webcasting and who've been watching this band for a long time. It's super exciting. So I just think, I think that concept of like what is easy and what is novel is, um, is interesting, you know? And I think the fans probably see it pretty differently than they do. But I do think I, I would like to, I'd like to hear their perspective on that. Well, the you know? best is when the bliss jam peak comes after some really deep space exploration, right? Like that's like right. the perfect mix. But it's funny, my notes on this set, Brian, the words you used to describe it at first, my notes were great flow, deep jams, and inspired playing. It was what stood out to me the most about this Ruby Waves jam though was it was like when they would find like a melodic riff, they aren't grabbing onto it and kind of like hmm. continuing to like, it's like, you know, when you're like, if you're, imagining them in a boat once they kind of like all lock in together they're not then just like pushing that way they're continuing to kind of like lift up an oar and let the boat drift and you can hear them kind of like finding that riff dancing around it expanding it distorting it in this really effortless way and it makes them sound really like confident and free and i think allows that like new sonic territory to kind of stretch out and there's so much texture that Paige is bringing in with echoing and kind of laying down synths like underneath and above and and then he's going to the piano and grounding it and it's just when he switches to the piano from the synth it's just like this homecoming that just mm. feels so perfect and it I think he's just nailing that lately and I love how when you listen to this jam it's hard to isolate who's doing what like I didn't watch the webcast so I'm just listening and it's like, wait, who's doing that? You know, and I just love that when they sound like one organism and you can't like pull apart who's doing what. And I felt like that was totally true of this jam. And it was thrilling and exciting. And I think they are really tapping into a sense of freedom when they're jamming that is paying off in a major, major way. And then the my friend, my friend, I just have to talk about that because this song, you know, is 31 years old. It opened my first fish show. And whenever I hear that song, it that to me is like one of the most 90s songs. Like that puts me like in my like mid-90s memory box. Like you play that song, I'm there. It and has I like just, everything of that charm right? of that era. Like the lyrics yeah. are really weird and dark, and then the music, like the acoustic to electric and like the haunting aspect. It's just yeah. You guys know the story yeah, about exactly. that, right? Has Tom told the story publicly about the the lyrics? Yeah, we did it. He talked about it at our AC event. Okay. I yeah. think. Yeah, or a, one of our great, events last it's great, year. It's, it's like such a great, great story. And he they did that a lot in the early days. Like they took like Sparkle is like 
not a happy song and they put it to like the yeah. happiest music and my friend my friend is like you know it was a poem that they gave to their friend on his wedding day for like and it a became, wedding day right yeah. yeah and it became this this what it is now it's just it's wild so sorry um no and it's like so cool because they take this old song that is you know storied and so indicative of that time but then the jam off it is pure modern fish like just dark yeah. textured the notes are raining down super psychedelic Trey's like bringing back the lyrics in this like trippy way. I just felt like this is a perfect marriage of like new fish and old fish in a way that like, fuck, only this band can do this. Like I, you know, I'm just like so excited about this tour. I am like literally foaming at the mouth for MSG. Like I just feel like this is going to be just fucking incredible. And I'm so excited. And to hear them play a set like this and then come back and encore with one of the most beautiful ballads that they play. I'm sitting here listening like with like, you know, shit in my house, the family like doing stuff. And I'm like trying not to cry over if I could, because that song is just so perfectly beautiful. And then they end with Possum, which is just like how they ended second night of Huntsville with this like rock and roll antelope at the end. You know, I just, this is Mm, chef's kiss this set wow if you if you continue to film at the mouth you may want to get tested for rabies <laughs> because i don't know why i said that that was like a terrible metaphor it's very you were just trying to align yourself with a possum that's been hit and is like lying on the side of the road that's at this what point it was. time and is, i'm just Brian. i'm just yes. I, I just I'm, i i just think it's i think it's great i'm excited oh, I, I wasn't I i'll just tell you guys and i think we know this because there's you know text conversations all the time I wasn't like that excited for the tour personally. And now I'm excited. And that's like, you know, I don't know why. Yay, Maybe fish. because I've been seeing them for 20, whatever, 28 years or something. But now that now it's exciting. Like I can't wait for the Manchester. Well, they're like, you know, they're like baseball in the sense that like it's early March and it's you get that one nice early spring day and you're like, oh my God, yeah, baseball is coming back. And <laughs> maybe your team sucks this year. You know, maybe you're a Tigers fan and you're like, we're just going through this endless rebuild. Um, but then it happens and you see like a really great game. Maybe your team throws like a combined no hitter and you're like, I realize why I love this all over again. Mm -hmm. And that happens, you know, with fish it's they're, they're not going through a rebuild. So bad analogy, but you know, they're, it's, it's just, they, they keep doing this. I, last night was, I've always had this thought of, especially recently of like, when is this going to end? Like, and thinking about the guy's yeah. age and like how long they can keep this going. And even with all the work that they've done over the last 15 years to keep this really healthy, really positive, something we've been covering on the uh, 40 for 40 series, shout out, there's a plug for it. We'll be back after summer tour. Yep. Um, but you know, there's always been this thought in the back of my mind that like this literally cannot go on forever. And last night I was thinking while watching the show that like, I kind of think that they can just keep doing this. And this ties around to one last point I wanted to make. And one last question I had, which I know probably extends this beyond a quick hit into a hit. I apologize, but this is what it is. Um, I was thinking about this specifically while watching um, during the no man in the first set so they have the in-ear monitors where they can hear each other and they can talk to each other. Trey now has that microphone that the first time I saw it was Alpine Valley last year. Um, there may have been an earlier uh, iteration of it. He had that mic in early 4.0 where you could like hear him call song selections from the stage, which was always kind of comical. Um, but now you can't hear it because it goes into the in-ear monitors. Last year, 
at the end of last summer, New Year's Mexico spring tour, the only times I ever saw him use it were to call song selections. Mm-hmm. So like a song was fading out and he'd be like, all right, character zero, whatever. Um, <laughs> I've noticed this tour that he is using it in the middle of jams, which is new to me. And someone out there who's smarter than me probably can notate that it actually happened on this date. So tell me if I'm wrong, but I saw it for the first time night one in Huntsville during, I think the 46 days. And I keep seeing it during jams and it's something fish never did before was say what they were going to do. They always worked Mm. together as a unit. And so it seems to me totally, it could be totally wrong, but it seems that this has to be something conscious that the band uh, is doing is giving each other direction or Trey giving direction of where a jam could go. Um, I'm curious what you guys think about this. And if you think it would be as overt as go to a minor or page, go to this piano um, or this keyboard. Or if you think it's more of like a oblique strategies type of thing where it's almost like a prompt of like a feeling of how the jam should go. That is so fascinating. Of course, like this is something, even when I watch the streams, I don't notice because I'm just like not never paying close enough attention, but I didn't notice that. It's so fascinating to imagine him like, you know, calling things out in the jam and I don't know. I can't imagine what he's like, if he's being specific or if he's just saying like, you know, you're doing a great job. Stop. Keep it going. (laughs) You're doing great. That sounds really good. No, I imagine he's Almost got like some sort coach. of technical shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that video of coach. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's very specific, but I'd love to know. And RJ, you can put that on your list of things that you can ask Trey about. I got it. I don't, yeah, I, it's interesting because let's just, let's say it is key changes. Then as um, uh, Shermith just said. Yeah. What? First of all, I haven't watched the webcast this tour, so um, I don't like I don't I, I haven't seen any of that what you're talking about, Brian. But did they just not Am do I that before? Do my own research here. Um, yeah. yeah, probably. <laughs> um, that's that's kind of how it goes. Um, <laughs> is that a is that something that just didn't happen before? I mean, I've never I've never seen Trey talk or tell no. them, like it was something he always did with tap yeah. where like especially in like those early 2000 tab shows he'll yeah. like turn around and like turn off the horns or like you know turn right because yeah. he was conducting direct the band he's he was conducting, conducting. Yeah. he's never done that with fish and and it gets back to my thought about like the longevity is they're utilizing technology it would seem and saying we could mm-hmm. probably and this is my interpretation we could be more efficient in our jamming if we if one of us hears something and says let's keep doing that or let's change this or let's let's pay attention to what page is doing or what mike is doing again all speculation just what i'm picking up from what i'm seeing on the webcast that's really fascinating that would yeah i mean it would that. it would kind of like mark a pretty i mean that's a pretty big shift huge yeah right yeah big deal I don't think the sound is um, like even listening to the Ruby Waves from last night. I don't think it's different enough from like previous tours that it would be obvious to me if you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's changed the basics of what they do, but it's an interesting um, thing to think about. That's wild. No, no, but it would be like a big evolution if they were communicating that way during a jam. Right. 
Yeah. But I, I just don't know. Like I, I picture the tray who's like drooling, you know what I mean? Like I, I just, it's, it seems hard to imagine that he's like in, in the, mo- it's hard to be in the moment and communicating. You're thinking outside. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I, and that's why I, like, I find it hard to believe that he would be like, let's like sure myth says, let's get, let's go to get dark. I just don't like, I don't see him saying that. Yeah. I wonder if it's like, Let's keep Do you think it going, it's something about levels like, or like I don't know? No, because they have they have hand signs with uh, right, that's their, true. with that's with true. sound, and that's why like I'm I'm asking about it because I keep seeing it enough where it's very clear he's saying something into the microphone. They're not going into a new song, and yeah. the jam is progressing for another however long it is at that point in time. That whatever he's saying, be it yeah. good job, fish keep this going or you know like what you know my my head goes to the oblique strategies that brian you know used for another green world where it's almost like a prompt of you know Mm -hmm. let's um you know consider a dark place or whatever it may be or like consider yourself uh you know lost trying to figure you know just but but it could be just as easy as like let's stay in a minor um yeah you know like the stay on f mic that like was picked up on the Haley's comet from Hampton 97. Mm. Where it was just like, mm-hmm. all you had to say was stay on F and then the jam takes itself. Mm. So it could be as simple as that, but it, it, to your point, Meg, it would be a profound change if this is something that they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. To Fascinating. Further. Exciting. Yeah. I'm adding it to the list. I have a list and this will, this will go on the list. Perfect. So thank you for bringing that up, Brian. Thank you guys for taking my, uh, you know, endless theories. This this quick hit turned into a a meditation on fish. You know, we didn't really talk as much about aren't, the show, but aren't it's, they all RJ? Yeah, sometimes that's how you know we're in a good like, exactly we're in a good tour so far. Exactly, that's we're communicating. We don't even have our we're not even communicating through our in ear monitors about what to do next. It's just flowing. <laughs> no, it's just my private chat flow. is empty right now. There's yeah, exactly. Nobody, <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> um, all right, I think I think we did it. I mean, we didn't do a quick, we but we did it. We did a quick ish for us. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. I think it was ish. perfect. Ish. Perfect. Ish. Perfect amount mm-hmm. of time. Yeah, um, thank you guys for watching and listening. Um, we will be back tomorrow for tonight's show. It's three nights. Three nights in Alpharetta. Three nights. Three I nights. I got one prediction. Okay, what is oh, it? Oh, yeah. Okay, let's do a prediction. Prediction. We are going to get the second oblivion of the tour either tonight or tomorrow Already. night. And I think we're going to, it just, the more I've listened to that song, the more I've listened to the way that they connected as a jam. It feels like that classic debut that they revisit only a couple shows later and are just like, mm. we're blowing this out of the water. That would be what about so you guys? fun. Tweezer. Yeah, that was mine. I haven't really thought of anything. Yeah. Let's That's go. It. That's it. Let's go. And, and I see fish in three days. So the countdown's wow. on for me. Wow. Yeah. That is insane. What a crazy yeah, a situation. It's a vibe. All right. Um, thanks, everybody. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Osiris. Lucky Land. 
Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now.